everything we are, everything we desire to become, everything that uh, every problem we're trying to solve, every opportunity we're pursuing, it all begins with the brain, everything. And so the fact that it is not a singular or uh, among the greatest focuses of the species to me is, is the bl biggest blind spot we have for the human race. Welcome to Moonshot, the show where we explore the biggest ideas in tech and the people working to make them happen. I'm Christopher Lawson, and in this episode, we're diving deeper into one of the greatest moonshots that you're likely to find, the idea that you can integrate technology with your brain and mind. Now, we probably all love the idea that we could one day be able to upload new thoughts or skills, perhaps a new language, instantly, to our brain. And as we heard in our Hacking Humans episode, Brian Johnson is one of the key people leading the charge with this technology, and he's got a lot of his own money on the line. Brian was the founder of online payments company Braintree, and now he's founded Kernel, a company aiming to integrate technology with your brain. So how does someone go from founding a payments company worth 800 million US dollars to integrating technology with your brain? Find out as we dissect the grey matter with Brian Johnson. never been apparent to me that it would be appropriate to constrain what I want to do based upon my skills, <laughs> which I suppose could be a bad conclusion at times, but I've always thought that I cared more about doing the things I cared about than artificially constraining myself and, and thinking that I could actually acquire the skill sets and the knowledge necessary to succeed in any given area. And so making the jump from payments to neuroscience has been a big one. And not just neuroscience, but all the things that we need to work on, for example, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, biology, chemistry, the regulatory environment, it's a really difficult task. But at the same time, I think as an entrepreneur, I've never felt happier in building anything in my entire life. It's incredibly difficult, but I love every minute of it. My name is Brian Johnson. I'm the founder and CEO of Kernel. We are building chips to implant in the brain to fix what's broken. For example, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, anxiety, depression are all things that have afflicted uh, us personally or our friends and family. Can, can we sort of dive into that a little bit more? Like what, what is, like, is the healthcare the sort of like main thing that you're hoping to achieve with that or is it is it something more than that is it like a super super intelligence building kernel is intensely personal to me for a number of reasons one is my stepfather was recently diagnosed with uh, early symptoms of alzheimer's and my father struggled with uh, drug, drug addiction for the first 25 years of my life and i suffered from chronic depression for a decade while i was building my startups and you know, for the decade I was experiencing that, I, there was, I just had no desire to live. And, you know, I had three children and they kept me in the game and I've come out of it. But 
I think everyone can relate with the experience in life of depression or anxiety or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. And so I think from my personal experience, these things went from, oh, that'd be nice if someone solved them to critically important to me. And so I think from a human quality of life, we all care about similar things of being happy and healthy and having uh, positive relationships. And that's coupled up with uh, what I really care about is the future, my future, my family's future, my kids' future, everyone's. So what, what you're building, you're building this yourself? Your company is building this? Or are you sort of like investing in other companies? And what is it that you're building specifically? Like it, it's a chip. Can you explain a little bit more about what that does? Yeah, we, we actually are building the chip at Kernel. So I, uh, I am founder, I'm CEO. I'm actually building the company. I'm also the investor. I seeded the company with $100 million. We're building this technology first to address disease and dysfunction, so things that are broken. And I guess we're doing that for a few reasons. One is because if you look at the regulatory bodies around the world, it is socially acceptable to build technology to fix things that are broken, not necessarily to improve humans. Like we have this general state where we say, that's roughly a normal person and that we should accept that as a standard. And so if we can bring somebody from substandard to, to normal, then we're, we're good. But at the same time, all of us do a lot of things in our own power to improve ourselves. So we drink coffee to fill in a better, uh, to stimulate ourselves. And we read books to become better educated. We go to school. We, we wear nice clothing. We work out. Like we, we do all the things that help us succeed in life, right? The things we want to do. And having this chip like, to implant in our brains is, is a continuation of what we've always done, a desire to be our very best selves. Now, in talking about this, people, it's a new concept, so it takes time to socialize the idea. It's the same thing that happened with plastic surgery. So it was initially created to fix disfigurement, and now it's a part of our society where people proactively pursue a plastic surgery to be their best selves. The same is true, for example, with you're trying to fix hearing with a cochlear implant, with an artificial heart. Like People do things to, to, to improve what's broken, but then it socially becomes acceptable in time. I think in, what we'll see is as we work on this, this technology in the brain, that as we see the success in its ability to treat things that are broken, it will naturally evolve to expanding what humans can do. So again, to become our best selves in a broader way. Obviously, you know, people have issues with memory and, and things like that, but computers don't have that, that, that issue. So do you foresee like that chip connecting to, you know, sort of like a database of memories or something? Sure. I mean, what, what's exciting to me is if you take the general premise and we say, okay, let's build a chip and we will implant it in the brain. Mm. I say, great, we're going we're gonna to try to fix the things that are broken in the brain. Mm. And then, our, because we're human, our imaginations immediately go to the familiar. We say, okay, well then how about, can I improve my memory? Can I read seven books in the time of one? Can I have a perfect memory? Can I telepathically communicate? Like we, we basically think of all the things we do today, we just say better. Mm. Uh, but what we're not great at is imagining the whole realm beyond the familiar. So I think in the case of this is, is yes, I'm equally as excited about improving my own self and being able to learn faster and, and gain skills and communicate and be more empathetic and have a better judgment. These are all immediate things, which I think actually is interesting because 
if we contemplate what the world needs, like how do we actually succeed as a species, I would argue that in our current configuration, we are ill-equipped to succeed in this coming world of rapid technological progress. Working on the brain is it's the most epic and exciting adventure in the history of the human race because we simply cannot imagine the potential of where we can go. So a lot of people in this case will say, well, wow, like, aren't you worried about the ethics and the morals and like all these things? Like, are you worried about a hacker getting into the brain? Yes, like all those things are going to happen. Like every technology creates both benefits and risks. And in the case of this, that's certainly the case. But it is not a question of if we should develop it or should we develop it. We are developing it and it will be developed. Humans have never been able to stop the development of technology. And so what we can do is be extremely thoughtful about how we do this. And so what's really we're focused on is, is how we be the most thoughtful people possible in building this technology that positions us to actually create a, an existence that we all say, yeah, we're really happy with what we've built in the world. You are building this, so what's the time frame before this is, you know, sort of trialed? A lot of people think it's really far out, but it's actually here now. So we're in the process of building this right now. Uh, we've been in humans and we'll be making some announcements about when we'll have uh, our first products out and in additional humans, but it's the technology is here and it's now. And that's why I think it's relevant to be having these discussions. These things are very difficult concepts, different difficult topics to talk about. It's, it's scary to some, it's exciting for others. We all have this mixture of emotions and I think that's appropriate, but I would rather that we have this conversation so that we can try to start marinating and looking at the possibilities because we really do need this lead time to digest it. And what I think a suboptimal outcome would be is to not raise these difficult topics now. I'd rather raise the, the discussions and debate now so we have time as a society to kind of think this thing through. It takes us a long time to reconcile with new technologies and how we might use them. When I imagine the year 2050, I cannot contemplate a scenario where humans are relevant if we have not learned how to read and write our neural code. I mean, it is an absolute necessity for the human race. And so while we sit here and we say, well, should we never want to have technology in our brain for any reason, I think the reality is for us to be sober and say, you know what, as a species, we really struggle to cooperate. We struggle to be empathetic. We struggle to make difficult decisions together. We struggle to see fo to be forward-looking. Somehow, our immediate needs are the only thing in the whole world that matters. We can't think ahead 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. As a species, we are fundamentally flawed, but yet we just can't quite reconcile with that, which I think is the exact and most persuasive argument on why cognitive improvement is an absolute necessity, but not only that, but the most exciting thing we could ever contemplate.
do you envisage this then being just sort of like one chip and then just through like software upgrades or whatever that it sort of improves itself or that it learns based on you know your physiological response is that what's how, how will that sort of aspect of it work we have roughly 86 billion neurons in our brain and we understand some basic things about the brain for example that, that we these neurons communicate electrically and chemically and so I think that we know enough that, like, for example, you and I can have this conversation, we can move our hands and, and our bodies, we can form thought, we can create memories, that somehow the circuitry is helping us do that. And what technology we use specifically to get that done will change. So right now, for example, it's an implanted chip. But in the future, we may figure out other technologies that don't require us to put anything in the brain. Maybe it sits outside the brain. And so, of course, we're always searching for te te uh, technologies that allow for the same objective that's just easier to use. And so as we figure out better ways to do this, uh, so we don't really know what the next versions look like. Right now, the only way to get to the source code of the brain, the only way to actually try to read and write neural code is to do an implantable chip. That's the only way. Now, of course, you can do things outside the brain, but to me, that doesn't solve the problem. Like the problem I'm trying to solve is what does it mean to be a human and what does it mean to survive as a species in 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now? And so that just requires a different approach, which is also the case why I've seeded the company with $100 million myself personally, because if you go to the government, they're not going to fund this kind of stuff. If you go to uh, uh, venture capital firms, they're not going to fund this kind of stuff. And so we have this, this really weird situation where the most pressing challenge facing the human race is not fundable by our capital structures. It takes someone like myself who can write a $100 million check to try to initiate something like this. And I think we'll find other individuals, mostly individuals, and some companies who will see the potential and importance of this technology jump in. But to me, it's really critical that we start talking about this thing because everything, ev again, if, in talking about moonshots, right, every moonshot we're going to take begins with the brain, every single one. And yet, somehow, that has not been on our radar. From talking with Brian, you can clearly see that he's someone who is not just pursuing a crazy idea for his own selfish reasons. He's actually someone who cares very deeply about the future of humanity. And the truth is, he's not alone. Facebook and also Elon Musk's Neuralink are looking at the way the brain can interface with technology and that competition just makes it easier to talk about these complex topics and explain the importance of what Kernel is trying to achieve. Now, I started Kernel a year ago and it's been really educational. For example, when I initially announced the company, I did it in the Washington Post, and I was apprehensive about saying what I really was trying to do. And so I said something very safe. I said, you know, we're going to build this technology. We're going to try to fix what's broken in the brain. And the response was like, awesome. Like, that's really cool, and it's cool that you're doing this. And then internally, I would say when I was recruiting people, like, look, everybody, like, I, I think that this is, like, the single most critical thing we could work on as a species. And I found people who were joining Kernel would say, I agree. In fact, I've thought this for a while, and I thought this is really fantastic. We're now recruiting based upon the story. And over the past year, I've increasingly been more open about communicating exactly what I think. And I have found that people have accepted it faster 
than I ever would have imagined. Now, clearly, people have apprehensions. Like these are topics that are foreign to us, which can create some anxiety, and I understand that. And I want to make sure we have this thorough discussion. But you know, recently, like for example, like when Elon Musk got in the game with Neuralink, and Facebook got in the game with their stuff, I could not be more excited that they're in the game. Like it's the best thing that could ever have happened, because now we have. Multiple people pursuing this objective. All of us are, are talking about it in our own different ways, which I think is introducing this to the world in a way where we're saying, you know, it is time to explore these technologies, and we hope they can be successful. But I couldn't be more excited that we're having this discussion. It's it's timely, and it will. We just need a certain amount of time to think about these things and debate these things. And having them in the game is wonderful, and I hope they both succeed. Because we need multiple players to succeed in this game, and I just I couldn't be more excited that it is now becoming a thing. It is becoming a topic of, of conversation, and that we have them on the table so we can now debate it. It's it's a scenario that I just I didn't even contemplate would happen a year ago, but I'm I couldn't be happier with what's happened over the past 12 months. How does this differ from what Elon Musk's company is working on? Yeah, so Elon and I, th- I think we see the world in a similar way. We both think that being able to understand and work with the brain is important. I think we differ in how we think about it, though. Specifically, I don't. He hasn't spoken much about the exact things they're doing.、Uh, I think you can probably conclude based upon the team he has the the general approach they're going to take.、Uh, but I think he's generally said, you know, we need to become cyborgs. And I think my disposition is: I think the most beautiful thing we could actually aspire to as a species is this. I come at this from a fundamental place of hope and aspiration. I think that our greatest masterpieces as a species have been anchored on hope and aspiration, and not when we drown in fear. Now we have plenty of things to be scared about. Like there's no question about it. Like we have enormous risks. But I think that, for example, the recent narrative in AI and others, where like we we have taken this really powerful technology in AI and we've said, everyone be super scared is coming to get us. I think is a really terrible way to deal with technology. Now we know there's risks with AI. It could. It's a very powerful technology, and it's it's a fundamentally it's a form of intelligence, and intelligence is the most powerful and precious resource in existence. But I think we can certainly manage it. Just like there's risks on the internet and everything else we do in life. But I think that this dominant theme of fear has consumed society. And what I won't—I don't want to happen—is that as we start contemplating human intelligence, that a similar narrative comes, where oh, we should all be super scared because of this. Right? I think we should. I think there's a way to approach this with as, with aspiration and hope of what we can actually build together. Talked about the world that you see if we stayed on the current trajectory, but you know, assuming that everything works out with with Kernel and with what you're working on, what's the world that you see in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? I have no idea. That's a thing we cannot imagine it.、Uh, what's exciting to me is that we now have a say. You know what our world looks like in ways that are more powerful than anyone else. So previously, people could contemplate like, what kind of political structure do we want? What kind of leader are we going to vote in? What kind of crops am I going to grow? What kind of books am I going to write? But now we ask questions like, if we can program genetics, what would I do as a human? If I could program my neural code, 
what would be my cognitive capacity to love and care and remember and imagine and create? I mean, is it possible that my consciousness could be a million times bigger than what it is today? Could it be the case that I could love my girlfriend a hundred times or a thousand times or a million times deeper? Is it be the case that I could walk a mile in someone else's mind? Is it the case that I could have so much empathy? And would it be the case that our world leaders could solve problems in a more efficient way? Like these are questions that I find incredibly exciting. It's the game of what if. And so if we gain this, this ability to program our existence through all these powerful technologies, every what if question you pose is viable. And that's what's so exciting. What fascinates you most about the human brain and what have you learnt that you maybe didn't know before undertaking this project? The single most interesting thing to me and what I am absolutely consumed with is what exists that I currently cannot taste, touch, feel, smell, imagine, create and become. I, over the past year as I've been working on Kernel, I can viscerally feel my limitations as a human. It's, I've never felt this more powerfully. And I think there is this epic nature of what we're doing, of what it could be to be human, about our ability to love and connect and communicate and cooperate. Like, what could we really do? And that to me is the most exciting thing ever uh, that a human could contemplate. If you love what we're doing with Moonshot, jump on over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and subscribe to the show. And don't forget to leave us a review. And then while you're at it, why don't you share it with a friend? It's really the best way of helping other people find out about the show. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Moonshot Pod. Our website is moonshot.audio. Moonshot is produced by me, Christopher Lawson, and also Andrew Moon. Our cover artwork is by Andrew Millist. And our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. That's all we have today. Join us again next time on Moonshot.